0: Today's sponsor is Audible, with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com decode. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode,
1: hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media.
0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. You may know me as the one person on Sand Hill Road who is driving a Ford Fiesta instead of a Tesla, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode, and while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair is Sunil Rajaraman, the CEO of The Bold Italic. He's also co-founder of content marketing firm Scripted.com, but if you work in tech, you probably know him best for his satirical This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley series of articles, which went viral on Medium earlier this year. Sunil, welcome to Recode Decode.
1: Terrific to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You
0: know, I was so struck by your stories that I wanted to have you on to talk about them. We usually have venture capitalists and CEOs, but I think it's really nice to have creative people.
1: Uh, very flattered that you decided No that.
0: problem. Um, so let's get right into what your pieces. You wrote three pieces about life in Silicon Valley, and they were glum as fuck. I don't know how else to put <laughs> them. And they were actually quite accurate if you had that point of view, which I thought was interesting. So talk a little bit about them, and then we'll talk a little bit about your background in the next segment.
1: Yeah, I mean, writing is a form of therapy for me in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of us in tech have feelings that are uh, that are this way mm-hmm. about uh, about silicon valley and the rat race and the pieces were actually the genesis of a text message conversation with two of my friends Amol and Andrew wow. and uh, and so we were uh, we were trading uh, silicon valley clichés and it was on a Saturday afternoon, and, and later that night, I wrote the piece in about 45 minutes, wow. the first one.
0: And what, what were the text messages about? You just were, like, tired of things, or were you just joking? Or? We're, we're all tired. We, uh, <laughs> we, the
1: three of us all have uh, young kids. Each of us have two. And, and startups. Uh, and startups. So, you know, I was I was co-founder, CEO of a startup, as, as you know, and... Uh, And now I'm back in tech Mm -hmm. again. And Mm -hmm. we all feel these things, but Mm -hmm. don't often say it publicly. And that was why I wanted to write them.
0: Right. So you were sending texts, and they were just about frustrations. So read. I want people to understand what I mean here. Read read a section from the first one.
1: Certainly. So uh, I'll start with the second paragraph. Your non-English speaking nanny shows up at 7.30 a.m. on the nose. You're paying her $24 an hour and entrusting her and Daniel the tiger with raising your child. You tell yourself that it's okay for now. When he's old enough, he'll someday be in the public school district in Palo Alto. You commit to being a better parent this weekend and spending more quality time with him as you browse through the latest headlines on Flipboard. You recently realized he may not be the next Mark Zuckerberg after all, but still, you send him to a music school even though he's only three. You swear he's a genius because he can say a few four-syllable words and clap perfectly to the beat of call me maybe. He's special. He's destined for greatness and you'll make sure he achieves every ounce of it. After all, both of you are so smart and accomplished. You ask your nanny if she has any availability to watch your son this weekend. Bummer. You wish the California Academy of Sciences hadn't sold you on the annual pass 11 months ago. You figured you'd be going there every weekend, but only ended up going the one time. Not a break-even proposition for you. Your Wi-Fi-enabled coffee maker downloads the perfect instructions on how to brew a cup of blue bottle, and you don't have to do anything. The Roomba purrs in the background while you continue to read from your smartphone. You see a few articles about Trump and how crazy he is. Somehow this comforts you.
0: (laughs) So this is pretty fucking glum, as I said. So talk about what what you were trying to get at here, because it is a lot of of the words, the Roombas, the using the coffee machine, the kid in the special school, the music classes, the overwork and then reliance on nannies. You know, a lot of people are in this grind in reality. And on some level don't feel sorry for them they're all making money or they're part of this thing at the same time it just feels like drudgery
1: i think just beneath the surface this is what people feel Mm -hmm. and uh and I think a lot of the writing right now in the valley is not tapping into that that level right. beneath the surface. It's pretty surface level. Right. And so I wanted to I wanted to hit a nerve, so and it, in a way, I wanted people to read this and say, "This is me."
0: Right. Exactly. So a lot, talk a little bit about what's been how the valley gets written about, and you run a content site about San Francisco too, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But talk about how the valley gets written about.
1: I think it's uh, everybody's very image conscious, and mm-hmm. everyone's afraid to. To make waves and say what needs to be said. I think uh, you had as as one of your guests who's a friend of mine, Antonio Garcia Martinez, mm-hmm. who, who Chaos Monkeys, Great writer he, too. he's he's kind of taken it beneath the surface yeah, a little has. bit. But there's a fear of sharing your feelings. Mm-hmm. And uh, and for whatever reason, whether it you know, people feel like it's not okay to talk about them or to be authentic. Right. Uh, but there, it's just fear. And I see fear in a lot of writing about the Silicon Valley.
0: Meaning that it's cheerleader or what? What what happens? Is it the tech press or is it the people that are trying to PR people putting it out? But it feels like a very, like, come here, it will be perfect. Everything is great. You have all these juice shops and fantastic. You know what I mean? There's a there's a sort of, it's almost um, a spoof in some ways.
1: It is. It's PR people. It's run by PR people. And you've seen this happen in sports too, my uh my sister and brother-in-law are in the sports business and, mm-hmm. and my, my brother-in-law is with WME. And, and you know, you see this with a lot with athletes where mm-hmm. they're so image conscious and, you know, they're, they're afraid to say, and the tech industry has adopted exactly that mm-hmm. is just, okay, I have to put up this public image all the time that says everything is okay. And guess what? That was what I thought I needed to, to do to be a good CEO when I was CEO scripted right. mm-hmm. is, Hey, everything's okay. You have to put up this persona when in reality, the best way to approach life and these problems is just be authentic about it. Just be right. real. Absolutely.
0: So did you, how did you talk about the writing process of these pieces? And then we'll read another piece from your second piece. What were you trying to do? Were you were you almost trying to be a spoof? Because some of it is just over the top, but it is true. Like people have that drudge feeling.
1: I wanted it to be just close enough to home to mm-hmm. feel feel mm-hmm. like it hurts. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I wanted everyone to feel just that little ounce of, of pain. The writing process itself was, Forty-five minutes of get it out there as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. That's my writing approach in general. I find that
0: you it's know, beautifully written.
1: Thank you. Is the is the first draft is the best draft? Right. Period. You can always hire copy editors later, mm-hmm. but what you feel unfiltered is what is what's best and what's in your heart.
0: Mm-hmm. So you wrote the first one. What was the reaction?
1: Uh, I mean, I was. <laughs> It was surprised I mean it was uh, people it resonated with with people mm-hmm. more many more people than I expected, you know more than a million people right and uh it was a combination of wow, this is a little too close to home mm-hmm. uh but this is funny at the same time, right and uh you know, if you see yourself in that piece, sure, you know at which you know obviously I, I see myself in that piece you, you probably need to make some changes and right. But I think people felt like, okay, this is what I've been wanting to say, and I'm glad that someone said it.
0: So in a lot of ways, you know, the other show that is on Silicon Valley is a mockery of everyone here, and they love it, which is kind of interesting. Talk a little bit about that, the idea that, you know, I was talking to Mike judge, and he's like, we're just making terrible fun of them all the time, and they just embrace it. They think it's great. But some of it's just awful, just awful depictions of people about their personalities. And for some reason, they think it's a joke, but it's actually quite accurate in some ways
1: yeah it's it is and uh you know i i almost myself don't know how to react to it because Mm -hmm. it is if the piece appeals to you you know you feel sort of i mean it's it's sort of an odd place to be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i mean just like silicon valley which i'm a huge fan of Mm -hmm. it's in a strange way appear uh, you know appealing to ego and Mm -hmm. uh and
0: I am so miserable. You have done a beautiful job copying this me. This is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wow,
1: and it's and it's now pop culture, right? Or it's,
0: that's not me, but I've heard of that or something <sighs> like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and the show has done a great job of that, obviously, and there were, there were some things from the show that, you know, for when I was a CEO that I, mean, I, I actually found it therape- mm-hmm. therapeutic to watch. Mm-hmm. I hope that people get some, you know, therapeutic reaction out of from it. From your pieces. Uh, yes.
0: From your pieces. Talk to me, when we talk about the first reaction, the first one came out and then you decided to do more of them. Was it, was it always designed that way or did you?
1: No. You know, I think the second one was a little forced, to be honest. The third mm-hmm. one was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm most proud of the third one.
0: I'm trying to get at what the point was. And again, also reactions. I'd love to hear some of the reactions of people. The strangest reaction, perhaps the huh. one that surprised you the most.
1: I love writing, to be honest, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I do. That is just my process. I, mm-hmm. I actually had no design. Um, I didn't know it would go viral. Obviously, you, you never know what these things. You mm-hmm. as a writer know that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I had more to say. And that's why I, I did I did three.
0: So talk about the reactions of people.
1: Wow. It depends on, you know, where which mm-hmm. which platform. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn was just fucking crazy. Because
0: why? explain the three. So because you put it on Medium to start with?
1: Uh, I put it on Medium to start with. Mm-hmm. And uh And
0: why there? Why did you put it there?
1: Um, so I I work with the folks at yeah. at, at Medium through the Bold italic. Mm-hmm. I love their product. I think right. what Medium is doing is great. Mm-hmm. I think their their audience is what really separates them. It's a very very high quality audience. Right. And uh that's why I put it on Medium first is mm-hmm. because, you know, with this type of piece, you can encourage a lot of sort of troll-like reactions. Sure, absolutely. And media minimizes that. Mm-hmm. When I put it on LinkedIn, the crazies came out. Well, what did they do? <laughs> well, 90% of the LinkedIn audience didn't understand it was satire. Oh, no. And it was just basically like, you're an egotistical, self-centric person, what a terrible life you live. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that that was kind of like, and that was primarily uh, LinkedIn. Like, hey, And so I had to make a comment on LinkedIn This is satire. Right. And, uh, you know, there were some weird reactions around having a two-income family. Uh Like as if, you know, actually you should change things up and, uh, you know, you should have an agreement with your spouse that she works from home. Oh. Which is like, which which is truly bizarre. Uh Um, My wife is the CFO of a startup company. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, so she should
0: stay home, obviously. Yeah, like,
1: and so, and so that the the you know going back to the gender thing, mm-hmm. like that was sort of the the mm-hmm. weir- weirdest responses were around that. Uh-huh.
0: And then where else did you put it?
1: The New York Observer. Right. Uh, so they uh, not so much of a reaction out of that. I mean, mm-hmm. by that by that point, it had been played out. And then yeah. uh, tech in Asia, which is uh, a large
0: and reaction from Asia. I mean,
1: no one understood it was satire. <laughs> so it was. You know, satire is a tough thing. Yeah, That's absolutely. A re-
0: yeah. Read a second section so people get a sense of that for the second piece.
1: So this one is titled Today is Your Big Day. You get ready for work a bit early in anticipation of the news. You're going to be promoted to head of marketing analytics for the IoT division. This means that you will now report to a person who reports to a person who was part of the early team at the Hotmail back in the 90s. <laughs> This is your second promotion in less than a year. You haven't received any pay increases, but that's okay. You are principled and care more about title than pay. Sure, your company is a 30,000-employee behemoth that's primarily engineering-driven, but you played an important part since your startup was acquired three years ago. You're critical to the company's success, and you're climbing the ranks fast, just as you were critical when you were the first business hire at your previous startup. The financial outcome wasn't great, but it was awesome for your career, and you got to tell your friends that you had an exit at cocktail parties they don't have to know you lost $30,000 exercising your options and another $20,000 paying capital gains on equity that ended up being worthless. Perception is reality.
0: Oh, perfect. We're here with Sunil Rajaraman. He is the CEO of The Bold Italic, and he's reading from his piece, This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley. We'll be back. This show is brought to you by SoFi, and today I'm talking to Ian Shaquille, the CEO of Augmetics. SoFi is a new kind of finance company pairing great service with low rates. The Entrepreneur Program is just one of its awesome member benefits, providing entrepreneurs with an opportunity to pause their student loans while they launch their businesses. So what was the biggest inspiration for your company? Why don't you tell us what it does?
2: So if you've seen a doctor recently, it's a pretty tragic experience. Most Mm -hmm. of the time, Mm -hmm. his back's turned, he's typing, clicking on the computer, not even looking at you. Mm -hmm. We resolve all of that. He puts on Google Glass. Mm-hmm. He has normal, natural conversations with his patients. Mm-hmm. And in the background, we do all the documentation for him. Oh. We fill in all those forms and fields and drop-downs so he doesn't have to.
0: So how did student loans affect your decision? Like, you had a student loan problem.
2: I did. I mean, so I was right out of Stanford, right out of business school. Mm-hmm. and like And ma- like many of my colleagues, you know, what do you do? I would love to get into a startup, do mm-hmm. something entrepreneurial. But unlike many of my classmates, I actually did. So many of my classmates went back to their consulting jobs or banking jobs where they can make off some money and pay off some of their past debt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, SoFi and their entrepreneur program really allowed me to forget about that. For entrepreneurs, they actually allow you to defer, Mm -hmm. um, I think, over a year of payback of your student loans, which Mm -hmm. is really helpful for someone like myself.
0: Learn more about SoFi and student loan refinancing at SoFi.com. That's S-O-F-I.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com legal. We're here with Sunil Rajaraman, the CEO of The Bold Italic. He's written a series of articles called This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, which have gone viral. They're satirical, but they also hit home very hard for a lot of people and have been read all over the place. Again, we're still talking about this idea of Silicon Valley. And, and then your third piece, which I'm going to have you read from in a second, your goals here to, are to sort of shed a light on Silicon Valley, not as people imagine it is, but as it is. How does that happen in Silicon Valley? Because then I want to talk about your running a bold italic and content sites, because how Silicon Valley is perceived is a lot to do with what's written about it and sort of the, the illusion that people make of it here. And it goes abroad and everybody wants to be here.
1: Well, it happened to me, mm-hmm. um, you know, first and foremost. So um, I grew up uh, around these parts. My, mm-hmm. my dad was a startup guy. Mm-hmm. He was part of the early team at a company called TimeNet, which was really one of the first commercial applications mm-hmm. of, the, of the internet. Right. And, you know, shout out to my dad. Um, mm-hmm. But he, uh, you know, I got the startup bug from him. Right. And, uh, and then I pursued my own startup, Scripted. And, you know, I was right there in the peak of the hype cycle. I remember reading your stuff about mm-hmm. people partying in Cyprus. And, right. Yeah. And oh, and that's that, right. But, know, I, Except I was making fun of them. I was not uh, thinking that <laughs> yeah. was a good thing. <laughs> And uh, and I was right right in that wave, raised a seed mm-hmm. round in twenty eleven, raised a Series A, raised a, raised a Series B. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I I, I didn't feel authentic. I didn't feel right. good inside.
0: You know, what does it look like from outside? Just this fantastic place of constant innovation, or what's?
1: It looks like TechCrunch articles. Mm-hmm. How much money people must be making. Mm-hmm. And
0: how the, you're not keeping up
1: the fancy life that they must be living when mm-hmm. in reality, most CEOs I know mm-hmm. are actually like, you know, deeply depressed. Off, off,
0: often. <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, and why do you think that happens? What do you what do you why is there no, you know, there's so many serious depictions of finance of Washington, you know, House of Cards on Oh, my God, like they kill people, the presidential President kills people on a daily basis. Now that's a satire too, in a lot of ways. But there's so many depictions of so many of these power centers that are pretty tough, and at the same time, some are funny and some are. um, But none of them are quite as celebratory as the stuff that comes out of. There hasn't really been a. Book about Silicon Valley that's been or fiction, except maybe. I, um, I intend on writing one. Yeah, by David, the way. I, Dave Eggers. I'm thinking The Circles, which I don't think worked as well.
1: Yeah, I haven't. I haven't read anything that's sort of hard hitting and talks about the harsh reality. But you know, the, the genesis of these pieces, I, I intend on writing one. Right. And you know, part of the process of of going from founder CEO to no longer being CEO, I wanted to. I mean, that was a traumatizing experience, mm-hmm. and there are a few folks that really helped me through it. Uh, I don't know if you know James Courier, Stan mm-hmm. uh Chris Michael, um, sure. who who I work with. But these guys are really like investors that were supportive, you know, and helped me reconnect with that authentic side and helped me find right. my voice again.
0: Well, talk about what happens, what actually happens, because you, you depicted in this satire, but again, it's so close to reality. What What is the reality from your perspective, from your experience?
1: You're trying to be everything to everyone all the time. You're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're conscious of who... Who is thinking what at all times, and you're trying to control the conversation, and you know you want to be perceived positively everywhere you go. So you got
0: to put out positive vibes all the time,
1: all the time, and you got to be nice to everyone. You got to explain
0: what Scripted did.
1: So, uh, well, it still still exists. I'm mm-hmm. proud of the team. They're mm-hmm. they're still going strong. It's a marketplace for businesses to hire writers for content marketing jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you're a business, you can come in, you can hire a writer from the Midwest or wherever, mm-hmm. all over all over the and country. And
0: what, what prompted you to do that?
1: So before Scripted, um, I started a, a screenwriting software company. Mm-hmm. So it was like Google Docs for aspiring screenwriters. Right. And, uh, so you
0: also, besides doing a startup, wanted to go to Hollywood at the same time? Oh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, look, I was in L.A. at the time, and uh, I had a friend who was working on a collaborative writing platform, And another friend who was a struggling screenwriter, and it didn't seem fair that the struggling screenwriter couldn't make it because he had all the talent in the world, so I wanted to democratize Hollywood. Sure. That was the original idea. Mm -hmm. We built, at the time, one of the largest writer communities on the planet. It was 80,000 writers back in 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we couldn't figure out how to make a dollar from the Hollywood types.
0: Right. They don't like to pay down there.
1: They don't like to pay. So Mm -hmm. eventually we... uh, we figured out that content marketing was the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh and businesses started reaching out to us saying, "Hey, we we heard you have that large writer community. Can we hire your writers?" Right. For content marketing right, jobs. Because they're all
0: over the country and they're hard to get. So, when you were starting it, they that was a pivot, right? did pivot. I did the pivot. I did the pivot. Just so you know, people home at yeah. home listening. He pivoted. When you pivoted, what did you feel like? Cuz you originally had an idea you were excited about, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did. And and when uh, when the pivot came, I was actually I was excited because I felt like I'd finally found the business. Right. And uh, I felt like, you know what, I'm going to show these Hollywood types. This is a re- this is this is the business. This is and, it. You know, the the one person in Hollywood who really, really supported me throughout uh, was actually the producer of House of Cards, a close personal friend of mine, Dana Brunetti. Oh, sure. He's great. He's he's great. And he's been like a personal mentor of mine through the years. I, I think the world of that guy. But he he. Uh, he actually was so excited about the pivot himself he you know he helped us think through that process mm-hmm. um, but uh, um, it felt exhilarating that people were willing to pay for a service
0: right that you were providing
1: that we were providing and then so what did I do I immediately felt pressure to grow top line grow top line grow 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 mm-hmm. as fast as possible mm-hmm. when you know by the time we got to you know 2000 late 2013 2014 the business you know the culture wasn't supporting the, you know the growth like I, you know, Meaning. You know, we, we were thinking about things like enterprise sales mm-hmm. and you know and things that you know aren't weren't as exciting to me. Right. And didn't, you know, get me up in the morning and solving problems like that. Mm-hmm. And that was when it started to become a little bit more tumultuous.
0: Right. And what was that like? Tell me about that.
1: It felt like waking up every morning I would feel some, you know, moderate level of anxiety. Oh no, I've gotta have gotta figure out go to market, we've gotta mm-hmm. keep our customers happy, we have this this customer paying us for a six figure contract. Mm-hmm. and uh, you become a slave to your large customers in many ways.
0: Right, and, but it's not what you got in, in the first place. No. So a trap in a lot of ways.
1: That's right. I, I really was excited by the early stages of the company and the, and the early team. We were, we were so close and, and everything like that, and that was when it felt fun and exciting.
0: It's like an accelerated way of growing old <laughs> in a lot of ways. You're like, that's oh, right. wait a minute. And that's, what it, minute. Like. Mm-hmm. that's what it felt like. So what like. happened then?
1: So in late 2014, after we raised our, our Series B, uh, you know, we mutually decided that I wasn't the best person. To, mm-hmm. to, I like that to, term. to run the run the company.
0: What did you do? Did you throw something or something?
1: Uh, you know, in those early days, I our second kid was born in March, so mm-hmm. it was January of 2015. Mm-hmm. But in uh, in March of 2015, uh, our our second daughter was born, and mm-hmm. so I kept myself distracted with a lot of uh, a whole lot of kid stuff. But also, the the bold italic came along then, right. and so that was really my passion project, and I found mm-hmm. I felt like I found it again and. And it gave me the opportunity to work with, with Chris, Sonia Senkett, who is awesome, and, uh, and a lot of other people that I liked and respected from, from Scripted, Rick Marini, who I think.
0: So, read a section from the third piece.
1: You quit your day job last week. The time was right to drop everything and pursue your passion. You aren't meant to work for someone else, you're too smart. The time is right for you to start a company. You floundered at a 500 person company for two years, they promoted you twice. You were a senior manager of product management when you left. You were critical to the company's success. No one knew what they were doing but you. You had to do everything. How will they succeed without me, you wondered. They backfilled the position in a week. You're taking a huge risk. You're going to have to make ends meet somehow. What if I fail, you think to yourself. You're not going to fail. You're a winner. You've got great educational credentials. If other people far stupider than you can do this, then you can do it yourself. You're going to make it even if you have to cut costs. Your spouse makes $250,000 a year at Google. You spent your evenings wisely. You learned how to write some code using Udemy, Coursera, and an in-person class at General Assembly. You're ready. You're an entrepreneur. You've put in the work. You found a technical co-founder on Founder Dating. He works at Yahoo full-time, but works for, quote-unquote, sweat equity on the side. Hashtag side hustle. He's Indian. Indian people get technology. (laughs)
0: this piece i think they're great it's so nice to have someone tell the truth honestly we're here with sunil rajaraman he's the ceo of the bold italic he's also written a series of satirical pieces under the title this is your life silicon valley and it's the first time i've read something that sounds very true we'll be back in a second today's show is brought to you by audible which has an unmatched selection of audiobooks original audio shows news comedy and more And you can listen to all of that wherever you are, thanks to Audible's free apps for iOS, Android, and Amazon devices. It's not a streaming or rental service. With Audible, you own your own books. Sunil, what book should I read next?
1: Brightness Falls by Jay McInerney.
0: Oh, good choice. Wait, where did that come from?
1: I mean, all of my writing is inspired by McInerney, Bernie yeah. Ellis, and Tom Robbins. To yeah, I can say.
0: see that. Yeah, Tom Robbins more. Yeah, that's interesting. That That's the one that people don't pick of his, which is interesting. But that was a very good book. Wow. I remember reading his first book about taking drugs in New York, essentially, in the 80s. And it was really quite something to read at the time. When you become an Audible member, you get a free book every month, plus a 30% discount on all regularly priced audiobooks. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode, download a title free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash D-E-C-O-D-E. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. We're here talking to Sunil Rajaraman, the CEO of The Bold Italic. He's also the author of a series of satirical articles called This Is Your Life, Silicon Valley. A pretty glum but truthful look at what it's like to be in the middle management of tech companies. We've been talking about what that's like and how the startup game is not quite as bright and shiny as they make it out to be. But here we are. Uh, now you now are the CEO of the Bold Italic, which is a content company. So talk a little bit about what you're trying to do there, and, and are you trying? To, you're depicting San Francisco at the Bold Italic, and it was started. Explain how it was started.
1: So it was started by Gannett Publishing mm-hmm. back in uh, 2009, I believe, um, and it was their foray into local media. Right. And so everybody had one of those. Everybody had one yeah. of those. You
0: know, Microsoft had one called Sidewalk. You don't remember it? I don't I'm 109 remember. years old, so I can tell you that. <laughs> Sidewalk. Sidewalk. Yeah. Huh. I know. That's how they went. They put sidewalk.
1: I, I love the name. It was yeah, awful. local. It just inspires local. Yeah,
0: I know. Um, AOL had one. Everybody had one. Anyway.
1: And so um, you know, they worked with IDO and they worked with Pivotal Labs to build a new age CMS and mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. And you know. Over the years, they put a, a lot of money into it and abruptly decided to shut it down in 2015. Mm-hmm. They shut it down. They fired all the staff. And, you know, like everybody who, who saw the news, it was it was just a, a thing through my Facebook stream. Oh, the bold italic is shutting down. Right. Good- goodbye. Right. And, uh... I managed to get in touch with someone from corporate development. Why? From, what, do, what did
0: you say? I liked it? Or?
1: Well, at the time I was, you know, I was an EIR at Foundation Capital trying mm-hmm. to think about what was next and, mm-hmm. you know, post So that's because that's the place you go
0: when you leave. <laughs> that was right. I did the
1: recovery at, at Foundation. Uh, a shout out to Ashu Garg, who was mm-hmm. awesome to me and helped mm-hmm. me recover mm-hmm. uh, from the, the traumatic experiences there. Um, so, you know, I saw that. They were shutting down. I thought, okay, well, hey, maybe maybe this is a project I could take on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I managed to get in, so- in touch with somebody, and they said, okay, well, we're gonna just pull the plug on this in you know six weeks, something like that. But you know, if you if you wanted to put a bid on it, you know, we we would consider selling you the, the CMS right. and the content assets. And right. and you know, this is where I worked with Chris Michael and and Sonia Sonia Senkit, and we decided, okay, you know, there's there's some value here. Let's right. Let's, let's what put was a the value you saw? a library of 20,000 articles. And really what the, what the old staff had done very skillfully is built a very solid brand. Mm -hmm. The visual assets of the bolt is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, we, we put a bit on it, not expecting it to get accepted, but it did.
0: Yeah. There probably wasn't another one. Lots of things shut down. Remember, was it iVillage? There's a whole bunch of stuff that just shuts down.
1: And so, you know, worked it as a, as a passion project most of last year. And my goal out of it is to, it's just a labor of love. It gives me an outlet for my writing, for other people who are writers who who want to get their voices out there. And actually, you know, I have a day job. I run, uh, I run marketing at a late-stage startup right oh, okay. now, one of Chamath's startups, and mm-hmm. Jason Green from Emergence called Replicon. That's my day job. Then at night, I run the bold italic, and I also write a column for ink.
0: Right. So what is your goal there to do with the Bold Italic? Because it wasn't iconic. It was one of those, there's several like that, that sort of opened and then closed really quickly. But that one hit hard with people.
1: That one hit hard. And uh, my, my goal is to, I think it's an important part of the San Francisco journalism community. It mm-hmm. gives people a place to write about things where it's not safe to write about it on like the Examiner or whatever. And my goal right now is to is to keep it alive and keep it as a platform for writers that they can rely on forever.
0: And do you have an editorial staff or what's the...
1: Got an editor-in-chief, Keith Spencer, who's awesome and uh, work with another three people who are also sort of doing it as a labor of love. So talk
0: about the content business right now. You know, I'm interested in it. A lot of people are. How do you look at the content business right now?
1: It's in a it, tough spot. Yeah. It's so in a really tough spot. Explain that. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, it's just difficult. No one's cracked the revenue model, right? And so it's at least from what i've seen the cost that you invest in great content is you know it's very expensive and very time consuming there's no way to make make it on the other on the other side on the revenue side right or like it's very very difficult now vox others have figured it out through economies of scale but for local publishers, it's almost literally impossible. Mm-hmm. You cannot attract national advertisers. Right. And that's where the money is.
0: Is there anything to do when you're, you know, people talk about this, they've been trying, There's all. there were like at least 10 content-oriented startups, small ones that failed last year. Either they assembled stuff, or they pointed to stuff, or they created stuff, but it's, it always remains rather small, or else it doesn't remain at all.
1: So either run it as a lifestyle business like I do, you know, keeping it alive, mm-hmm. uh, keep costs low, run it as a subscription business where people sort of value um, mm-hmm. you know the content so much that they want to want to pay for it or you know do something in between, which is, Something I'm starting starting to see more of, which is selling subscription ad packages. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you can get local advertisers, but just sell them on like longer deals, right? Three or six month deals, and mm-hmm. I, and we've we've had some success doing that, and that's why we're able to stay alive.
0: So, when you're thinking of doing this, now you're obviously doing lots of content. You're creating content yourself, writing these beautiful pieces. You're running on the side a passion project, doing this. In the old days, when you like when Jay McInerney got discovered, you just got discovered. Now it's a very different game if you're writing. You're writing a book about based on this on these series.
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll probably write a book based on my experience. at that's scripted actually so mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be first person this is this is unusual this is second person all this all this stuff so right. but I'll, I'll write something sort of more like a first person memoir
0: and again there's been a co- antonio's piece uh, dan lyons and others why are they working right now dan's was hysterical and horrible at the same time disrupted
1: you know it is this just beneath the surface type thing and the the over pr of the silicon valley mm-hmm. and the lack of willingness to say what what's necessary. You know, are you a sports fan at all? Not really, but go right. Okay. Um, So the way I like it, I'm a
0: famous non sports fan, but go ahead. The only uh lesbian in America who doesn't like sports, but go ahead.
1: Tennis was my sport growing up. My dad Mm -hmm. played, I played in college, and my whole family's into it. And there were there's two players, obviously, you know, Roger Federer. Mm -hmm. There's another guy, Marat Safin, who's like sort of lesser known to the to the tennis fans. And Federer is like perfectly manicured. And you yes, know. I do know. Oh that, yeah. my gosh. Everything he says is like is gold. Oh I wanna be like him. I wanna be a classy <laughs> guy. I always liked Safin. Because Safin was irreverent. He was showed flashes of brilliance. He was totally erratic. He mm-hmm. uh He had a famous match where he beat Federer at the 2005 Australian Open, but you never knew what you were going to get out of him because he might have been doing coke the night before or whatever. But, like, he was totally unfiltered. Mm -hmm. And I think that unfiltered voice is necessary. Not the cocaine, but unfiltered voice is necessary.
0: At least we don't judge here on Recode, Decode. But what is going to happen to Sakan Valley? Because, like, suddenly there are a lot of these sort of chinks in the armor. There's a lot of, like, hmm, there's stuff around diversity, stuff around... A lot of people talking a little bit more smack about how things work here, or how they don't work, really.
1: The scariest thing to me is actually the the money isn't as ample as people think. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people, um, you know, a little, little younger than me living like two or three steps ahead mm-hmm. based on the options that they have at their company. But, I mean, you've lived through, you know, the last cycle I did, too, and... You know, you know what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you're out all of a sudden, fifty thousand dollars exercising options, and you paid the delta and ordinary yep. income tax, and you're totally screwed. And guess what? That's going to happen to a lot it's of people. Several times, yes. Very a lot more very soon, right? And that's the most worrisome thing. And the cycle always. Always takes place. It's Absolutely. inevitable.
0: So what has to happen? Let's finish up talking about what has to happen in Silicon Valley to change it. Because again, as I said, you know, politics, L.A., you know, Day of the Locust was written in the 20s. One of my know. favorite yeah, books. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nathaniel West. Um, obviously, there's so many Washington novels. So many, you know, in finance, obviously, the very famous uh, Tom Wolfe book. Bonfire, you know, of Bonfire of the Vanities. Of the Vanities. That was an epic book at the time. It's sort of, there was such a celebration of those people and then that just killed them, along with uh, Den of Thieves and some others, nonfiction and fiction books. Um, So every major power industry has gotten, it's not just has come up, because it's not really that, it's sort of a more of a, a reckoning, where it's true, where the truth comes out, where it's not quite as pretty. When is that going to happen for Silicon Valley? When you write your book, obviously. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, and, I, and It's y-
0: starting to feel like that.
1: It's starting to feel like that. It's starting to feel like, you know, so I think like any of these industries, the best people will always succeed, and I wish them the best, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, the best firms are going to thrive, the best companies are going to thrive, period. But there are a lot of people who should not have started companies who started companies. Right. And oh, my gosh. Those people are going to go away, mm-hmm. and those ankle biters who are like the producers in the L.A., you know Hollywood business—they right. always go away, mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to they go always ways. come back.
0: I'm sorry to tell you, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I think I think there's going to be a mass exodus pretty soon, and, yeah. and they're going to have to to get out of
0: here. And then what happens?
1: <sighs> See if, uh, yeah. I mean, I think San Francisco remains largely unaffected and unchanged. Um, I think the San Francisco in particular is healthy. I think, you know, the, the second-tier places are not going to do as well as people think. And yeah. You're, you're going to see real estate prices come down in San Jose, Oakland, Milpitas, Fremont. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a serious financial check. And that's uh, going to happen soon.
0: Uh, you've heard it here from John the Baptist. Let's finish up by doing a final reading from Sunil Rajaraman's series, This Is Your Life, Silicon Valley. It's satirical, but very, very true
1: you're late for your first meeting. You drive as fast as you can. You park in a sea of Teslas and X5s at the VC's office. Your first meeting is with a partner at a quote-unquote tier one firm. You walk into the building lobby and introduce yourself. The receptionist offers you water. He offers you choices of water. You take hint fizz, pomegranate flavored. You immediately regret it. Carbonation before VC meetings is a terrible idea. The 27-year-old, quote-unquote, partner comes out to greet you 15 minutes later. You realize everyone at the firm has the same title, just like at CAA, just like that book you read. He seems disheveled and smart at the same time. He's wearing a $500 hoodie. The fact that he can't make eye contact with you means he must be really intelligent. He guides you to a perfectly sanitized conference room. It smells like eucalyptus. The partner went to Stanford and started a Y Combinator company a few years back. He was the technical co-founder. That must mean he knows his shit. He must know a ton about business and scaling. His company failed three months post-launch. You do brief intros. His takes 15 minutes.
0: It's perfect. Drop the mic. Thank you, Sunil. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the book. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with investor Mark Andreessen, former Twitter CEO Dick Costello, and Deeds Not Words founder Wendy Davis, just to name a few. All of those interviews and more are at recode.net slash decode. Now that you're done with this, why not try one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka, comes out every Thursday. On Fridays, I host Two Embarrassed Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and Jason Del Rey's Code Commerce. Thanks for listening. Also, thanks to Digital Media, which distributes this show. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then.